Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. And here it is. I have a deal for you. If you enter offer code tech at checkout, you'll get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So growing up, my parents had always told me about this movie that they went on their first date to, which was Alien. They always said it was the scariest movie that they had ever seen. They built it up. I think by the time I actually watched it, it wasn't as scary as how much they had built it up in my mind to be scary. But I remember they took me to um, Disney World once, and we rode on that... uh, the movie ride, the great movie ride. And in there is an alien, there's an alien section. I remember my mom kept building it up. She was like, oh, there's gonna be an alien in there. We got stuck in front, like I was on the side and there's an alien that comes out on the side that I was on and I swear to God, we got stuck and that thing was staring at me. I was really little, so I was like on the verge of tears. No wonder you didn't think the movie was that bad. You'd already had your your great contact with the beast. Yeah. <laughs> My contact with the alien was very visceral and real. Um, but yeah, I love the Alien franchise, and I think it's... it's I actually watch that movie every couple of years just to kind of, like, refresh it in my mind because it's such... I think it's just such a fascinating concept, but I'll, I'll always... I mean, it's also the most terrifying creature I think anybody has ever dreamed up. And now we'll talk about real aliens, which look identical to that and serve the same purpose. (laughs) Hello and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I am your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Lauren Grush, a science reporter at TheVerge.com. We are talking about alien life, which uh, I guess you could say is sort of a Halloween-themed thing, maybe? Kind of. Totally. 100%. Yeah, that's that's the ticket. Um, <laughs> you started the episode by uh, talking about maybe the most fictional... I, I guess there's no such thing as a most fictional alien. That would not be true. Uh, but certainly probably not the most scientific Uh, idea of aliens i'm not sure i mean the biology of that creature kind of makes a lot of sense if you think about it oh my gosh okay so we're gonna start from the beginning and work our way to how aliens are going to one day harvest our brains um what is the idea of alien life in its simplest form so simple definition it's simply life that does not originate on earth it's found somewhere else comes from somewhere else probably a planet or a moon out either in our solar system or outside of our solar system. And why are we searching for alien life? I mean, that's kind of the big question, isn't it? I'm. It's the, the question of are we alone in the universe? You know, where did we come from? Because finding alien life could tell us a lot about, you know, are we special? You know, are we rare as a species? Is it, is it, or does it happen all the time? Are there civilizations, you know, peppered throughout the universe, you know, it would tell us a lot about 
if we're unique or if we're, you know, kind of the same or if we're not even that special at all. (laughs) What sort of tools are we using to find alien life? So the main thing that I think is tied with alien life is this search for exoplanets, which is planets that are orbiting suns outside of our galaxy or outside of our solar system, I mean. Uh, and that's really hard because it's, it's, I don't think it's very hard for us to image exoplanets directly because, uh, we're looking at them when they're orbiting stars like our sun. So the stars are very bright and they, uh, kind of drown out any planets that might be orbiting them. So when we are looking for these planets, we have to observe dimming. So whenever a planet passes in front of a star, it ever so slightly dims the star. And we have to observe those fluctuations in light in order to determine if a planet is actually passing in front of the star. But that doesn't really tell us a lot about that planet. It just kind of tells us that it's there. And we can kind of determine, you know, how far from the star it is. So uh, that's kind of a big deal for us is... um, where these planets are located in respect to their star because Earth is located in like this sweet spot called the habitable zone. And it's basically where the planet is located from the star so that liquid water can exist, where the temperature is just right so water is in a pool form. Um, And that's why we want to find other planets that are like us because life is, you know, water is so essential for life to exist here. So if there's another planet at the right distance from a star, then perhaps liquid liquid water is there as well. And maybe biological life forms are there too. Okay, I'm going to veer off script. Because last time we spoke about AI. And even though this would be the perfect episode to talk about AI on, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to talk about another classic film from the 1990s, Men in Black. Or Men in Black 2, whichever one where at the very end they pull out in the galaxy. And it's the marbles. <laughs> it's the marble, right? So here's, here's, maybe this is more of a philosophical question. I get, scientifically speaking, uh, why you would want to look for something similar to us. But wouldn't it also be possible that whatever else is out there looks and sounds nothing like us? I think about like religion with the idea of God and and the church. Whenever you ask, in in the Catholic church, when you ask about the Trinity, uh, this is from my childhood now, uh, a priest would be like, oh, feeble-minded Chris, you can't comprehend it. It's so different than anything that our human brains can imagine that it just, it, it, it won't click, even if it's right in front of you at this very moment. And and is that possible that that alien life could be so much bigger or so much smaller than we can comprehend that this idea of looking for something that looks like us is almost not silly, but I guess kind of obvious? It's totally possible. And, and researchers think about that quite a bit. The only thing, though, is we since we have no idea what this incomprehensible life would look like, all we have to go on is basically what the biology that we know about here on Earth. But I have, I have talked with a number of scientists, like um, the people who are working on the Curiosity rover, 
or the Mars 2020 rover. Uh, they have all these instruments designed to look for biological life, but then they're always like, well, I mean, this only will work if it looks like us. I mean, it's very possible that there's life on Mars that we have absolutely no idea how to study it because it has a completely different structure. It doesn't use the same, you know, uh, logistics that we do. So it's definitely possible, but we focus on biological and organic molecules because that's what we know. And I might as well go with what we know until we find something that we don't know. Okay, we're looking for alien life. But what if we're really just like, hey, hey, over here in our tiny lifeboat, and there's like a giant ship full of angry, belligerent space pirates who are going to kill us all. Like, we seem so young in this whole dealing with space thing that... Maybe this is all one big mistake. So that's a, also a big debate. And it's uh, it's the difference between SETI, which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, and METI, which is, or active SETI, which is messaging extraterrestrial intelligence. And there are a lot of people that agree with that idea that we should keep our mouths shut. Um, because, yeah, what if there's this predator civilization out there? Uh, we don't really want to alert them to our presence. So right now, the the focus is not so much of waving our hands. Uh, it's more of just um, pointing our antennas out to places in space that might be uh, sending out signals. And so, you know, our, our main focus is trying to receive messages rather than to uh, initiate messages. Um, but that is definitely a concern. <laughs> I mean, and and a lot of I mean, a lot of famous thinkers like Stephen Hawking and Carl Sagan say it's pretty unwise and a little naive to uh, message put put our messages out there like that. I mean, we're kind of doing that anyway, though, right? By like TV waves, radio. There there are other signals that no matter what, we're we're kind of giving people a heads up. Yes, we are. But our signals take quite a while to uh, travel travel into space. So There's a Pete and Pete episode about this, so I'm pretty caught up. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm, I'm not exactly sure the distance, but I know that it's it'll be a very, very long time f- before any exoplanets receive signals that we've sent out from like the 1900 or 19... 19- 20s or whatever how how long have people been searching for alien life i mean it's been going on for quite some time obviously it's ramped up a lot recently with uh you know nasa's exoplanet like the kepler mission but i think i i read something about how in the early or the late 1800s nikola tesla was maybe listening for something on mars and he thought he heard something but it turned out to be not not aliens obviously but yeah it's definitely and if you look uh i know there's a lot of um allusion to it in in uh like renaissance paint art you know some there are some there's some paintings that depict uh ufos uh in the painting so uh, I'm sure it's definitely been on people's minds for some time. As for how long we've been actively looking for it, it's definitely a uh, 20th and 21st century thing. Now we're in the plot of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> just for, for everyone who's caught up. We are, we are just touring through uh, mass market entertainment. <laughs> You're welcome. Here, here's probably the opposite of that. What are some of the theories of what actual alien life could look like if we found it? 
So I think right now, most researchers are kind of focused on uh, microbes. So the boring stuff. That's what you're saying. Yes. (laughs) For normal people like me who want face eating aliens. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, there's really I don't think there's any much talk about or at least credible talk about what <laughs> these complex beings would look like. Because, you know, research are very, are very hesitant to, uh, you know, resort to the alien hypothesis when they find something interesting because it kind of diminishes their credibility. So the first, I think the thing that they're, they're willing to admit is like maybe there will be these microbes, you know, very uh, simple organisms rather than complex intelligent life. But it's not so much that they theorize about what these intelligent beings would look like, but so much as how we would find them. So uh, th- I, th- I talked to this one uh, astronomer, Sarah Seeger, and she was saying that if you think about, think about um, hikers lost in a wood, you know, if they want to communicate with us, they'll do something, you know, Uh, big and loud, like maybe create something reflective so that we can find it with our telescopes or create some kind of sign, because that's how we would be able to find them at this point. But uh, as in terms of what they would, if they would look like the xenomorph or not, I don't think that (laughs) has entered too much discussion. Okay. So I don't know when people are listening to this episode. It is morning, our time. I have a nice cup of coffee and I am ready to get really bummed out. Uh, can you explain the Fermi Paradox? Yes. So the Fermi Paradox kind of plagues a lot of astronomers. It's all numbers games. Our universe is infinite. And our galaxy alone has somewhere between like 200 and 400 billion stars. Some of those stars likely are like our sun. And it's probable that they have Earth-like planets orbiting them at the same distance in the habitable zones. And that's just in our galaxy. Uh, so if you think about the billions and billions of galaxies in the universe, I read somewhere that it's like for every grain of sand on the beach on Earth, there are like 10,000 stars out there. That's a lot of stars. Um, so, you know, probability-wise, it would seem like we should have a ton of alien civilizations out there just just the probability you know if we have so many stars at least like one percent of them is like us um so yeah so the numbers say that there should be these civilizations out there but we haven't found them (laughs) where are they (laughs) you know that's the crux of the fermi paradoxes there should be these civilizations out there but we haven't found them and we haven't there have been there's been absolutely no evidence to confirm the existence of these civilizations now did you see the the new solution to the fermi paradox i don't know if it's new but i've heard a couple of theories as to like why uh why we haven't heard from anybody and there's some of them are terrifying (laughs) okay (laughs) well so one idea is that um, the reason we haven't heard from these advanced civilizations is because civilizations like us uh, reach something that's called like the Great Filter. <laughs> and so there's this idea that maybe civilizations don't get past a certain point because at some point we destroy ourselves. <laughs> um, and 
either we haven't reached that filter yet or we're the very first ones to get past that filter. So that's a little terrifying to think about, um, but kind of uh, is good for all you apocalypse-loving people out there. Um, uh, but then there's some other theories that it's like, well, it would make sense that we haven't heard from other intelligent civilizations because of some of the things that we talked about. Like, perhaps they don't want to message, you know, us because there are those other predator civilizations out there. So they want to stay safe and alone and, you know, not poke the beast, if you will. Um, so there are, there are many explanations, but it is really a fascinating concept to think about. So there were alien megastructures, or superstructures, some giant structures in the news. And there were a few people who were pretty excited, and there were a lot of people who were pretty skeptical. Um, I, I would love for you to explain what, what, what this is, uh, and what side of the fence you would recommend I fall on. <laughs> so this was another um, example of how... Uh, scientists go about theorizing, you know, what these civilizations might look like. So that idea that they might have something reflective on their surface that we could find. It's kind of like that, only this idea uh, stems around this, like, maybe we spotted their insane technology that we have no idea about. So when they were looking at a star, you know how I was talking about dimming earlier, they um, observed dimming, but it was very asymmetrical and it lasted for a really long time. And normally when a planet passes in front of a sun or star, it dims it in a very uniform way because it's orbiting in a circle. But this dimming indicated that there was something very, very large and it wasn't just like a, a little plot on a on an orbit. It was taking a really long time to orbit or and it was orbiting in chunks like something big is orbiting the star and we don't really know what it is so the main theory was that it was this family of comets that the sun or the star had pulled in and it just was you know dimming the star in a very ununiform fashion but the other idea and it was a very you know off-brand idea it wasn't you know, it was definitely wasn't their first and foremost idea. But the idea was that perhaps we had spotted this advanced civilization that had built these huge megastructures around the sun that were built there to harness the star's energy for the civilization. Because the idea is it's super advanced and they're going to need a lot more energy than we need to fuel all their technology. So perhaps they put up a bunch of uh, solar panels a huge swarm of solar panels around the star, and that's what's powering their their crazy advanced civilization. Um, it's just a theory, though. I mean, it wasn't... Nobody was saying that's what we found, because we can't tell. There's no way to tell. Kind of sounds crazy. At the same time, we already did an episode uh, of What's Tech about living in space, and that doesn't sound too far from the idea of what, like, humans would like to do one day a little larger quite a bit larger but the general idea the conceit is the same yeah and there's definitely been discussion of whether or not we should put solar panels into space you know and how we can use space to fulfill our energy needs so definitely it's not far-fetched to assume that a civilization would use that however I think it got blown out of proportion because everyone was saying, oh, my God, we've found this alien megastructure. But the whole point is 
they weren't saying that because we had found that. They were saying that because, well, maybe we should, you know, direct our antennas at this particular star because the universe is very big <laughs> and we can't direct our antennas in every single direction. So if we were to narrow down like the best possible candidates to point our antennas, then this place would definitely serve as a good candidate because it's so weird and unique. It wouldn't serve us to, you know, look at a star that we know doesn't have any planets around it or we know is, you know, pretty boring. <laughs> so it's it was their way of saying, hey, let's target this abnormal star because maybe there's this chance that this is happening. This is definitely a Coke versus Pepsi question. So we're talking about personal preference here. Do you think it's more likely that alien life would find us before we find it? Ugh, I have no idea. I I like to think that they would find us. I just think that would be so fascinating because, and the only this is a selfish reason, because that means it could happen within my lifetime, whereas I don't think we'll be finding, we won't be going out and finding aliens, or at least intelligent aliens anytime soon. There's a lot of speculation that we might be finding, you know, those microbes I was talking about either, uh, you know, in the icy moons in our solar system that have oceans underneath them. Uh, you know, it's possible there's life there, but it's not going to be anyone that we talk to. <laughs> And final thing, and this is one of those, like, uh, I'm not high. It's early in the morning. I'm just enjoying coffee. Um, but I remember as a child, and this is probably from, like, the Fox Alien show, uh, that there were these theories that we could find alien life on Earth, with the idea being that uh, millennia ago, organisms traveled through the galaxy, or maybe they just crashed into Earth via comet, uh, and now things that are already on Earth or, or even even more enticing, deep within the ocean where we haven't found them yet, uh, are actually alien organisms. One, is that possible? Two, um, do I sound like I've been smoking in the gymnasium in seventh grade? No, actually, that is a very uh, often discussed theory, but it's not that there would be aliens deep within our ocean. It's that we'd all be aliens, technically. Be <laughs> because the idea is, like you said, comets carry these organic molecules. And when Earth was forming, it had some of the necessary ingredients. It had water, you know, um, and it had some of the basic building blocks of organic matter. But it needed an extra spark. So what would happen is the comets would dive bomb on Earth and carrying these extra ingredients and that heat would kind of create a primordial soup that mixed together and created some of the very first life forms. So there's a lot of uh, ideas that perhaps that's how the first life got started on Earth. And then there's also some ideas that if we were to find organisms, say, on Mars, it might share a genetic trait with us because the same thing might have happened on Mars because the red planet, I think, there it had water on it, you know, billions of years ago. So they think that, well, maybe uh, the same comets that hit Earth hit Mars, and if there are microbes there, it might be the same stuff that came over to us, uh, you know, riding on a comet. Full circle. <laughs> you started with your love for the movie Alien, and you ended with the beginning of the movie Prometheus. <laughs> oh, God, no. We did it. We did it. I'm so proud of us. 
My love for the movie Alien does not extend to, my, to Prometheus in any way. For shame. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Where can people find you on the internet other than TheVerge.com? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lauren Grush, L-O-R-E-N-G-R-U-S-H. And that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. You can uh, read both of our work on TheVerge.com. You can find our show there uh, every Tuesday. Or you can find it on the iTunes store, which even if you don't use, I recommend you go to. And then just leave a little review and subscribe because it goes a long way for us. Uh, I also recommend that you share our show with your parents or aunt and uncle or anyone, siblings, I don't know. It, it seems like family just loves this show and what a gift that you can give uh you can also find us on twitter at what's tech other than that that's it we didn't we didn't talk about ai we made an entire episode i am so proud of everyone here <laughs> bye <laughs>